So what's up, Adarius? What's up, Mr. Taylor? Man, welcome to 4116 West Smiley. Man, I appreciate you having me on, man. So glad to have you on, man. So what are some members you got at Smiley Court? Some members that I have at Smiley Court? Uh, what you heard about Smiley Court and some things people have told you, like... What else do you think you just think of Smiley Court when it comes to mind? Well, when I think of Smiley Court, I think of the trenches. Honestly, I'm just being honest. I've never been to Smiley Court. I rode past Smiley Court. I actually live like 15 minutes down from Smiley Court and uh, in a trailer park called Hunter's Park. But that was I was like a baby, man. I was probably like two years old. I really don't remember, but I, I stayed close to Smiley Court. But yeah, I think of the trenches, man. When I think of Smiley Court, I've never been out there. So sorry to judge, but it's just what I heard. I always just ask people that because a lot of times people have these assumptions of what Smiley Court is and what they heard about it. So the whole point of bringing people on 4116 West Smiley is sort of like inviting people to Smiley Court to see a different viewpoint of it, see it from a different viewpoint. For sure. I like, man, Mr. Tellers, I like that idea. Yeah, it's a good idea, man, when it comes to it. First, especially coming from somebody that stayed in Smiley Court, I would love to know about the history because like I said, I, didn't, I really don't know nobody from Smiley Court. Well, Smiling now, we just sit chilling and let's be gonna go to me. So, Adair, you've been in Montgomery your whole life. My whole life. Whole life. Whole life. So, when did you uh, start playing sports, man? Uh, I started playing sports. I started kind of late, honestly. I started like when I was around 10, 11. Okay. Uh, I started playing basketball, then I got into football, and uh, I just kept switching back and forth basketball, football. I started YMCA Elite, uh, Bell Road. Okay. Yeah. So how did you get the Bell Road YMCA? Explain that. How did I get the Bell Road? Well, my daddy works at Hyundai, so he got the YMCA benefits. And we stayed off of Troy Highway for years. After I moved from Hunters Point, when I was like two or three, we stayed on Troy Highway for like 18 years, most, like, most of my whole life. Oh, so Bell Road was closer for you then? Yes, Bell Road was closer. Uh, yes. So I see it now, because most times, on the other side of town, none of us played for Bell Road at all. Facts. Okay, so I understand that that makes a little sense then. So, which one did you like better, football or basketball? Uh, actually, I like basketball more. Okay. Yeah, so I thought I was a hooper. So, believe it or not, we have that in common. Okay. I tell people all the time I like basketball more than football. They look like crazy. So, did you play basketball? Yes, I played basketball. Man, I did not know that, man. I have more basketball shows than football shows. So, who's your first name you play for? Uh, Southeast YMCA. Southeast. So, how did you get to Southeast YMCA if you stayed in Smiley Court? All right. Okay, that's so, actually that's hard to imagine them bringing a bus all the way to Smiley Court to bring yeah, you all the way to Carter Hill yeah, Road. So we did majority to minority, so we end up going to Danley. Okay. And the Southeast YMCA was right next to Danley. True. So what happened is, you know, getting involved in sports things that matter. Only school on the, I mean, only place on the west side was like Cleveland Avenue YMCA, but I didn't know anybody there. All right. So most of the coaches, most of my teammates, my classmates that we went to Danley with, they all played for the Southeast. Wow. So I started playing at Southeast, and I just stayed over there like two years straight. And then at the same time, I was like bigger than everybody, so you know <laughs> they was already baiting me to go to that team anyway. So let me ask you a question. How tall are you? I'm 6'5 right now. And how old were you? I mean, how tall were you back then when you was playing for the YMCA? I had to be like 5'10". 5'10". I had to be like 5'10". So five let me guess. They put you at the 5. You oh, were big, yeah, I was center by no Big Diesel. I was a center. <laughs> Okay. I wore number 50. 50? Wow. Yeah, uh, dang, what's the tall guy that played the Saints on your Spurs? David Robinson wore number David 50. David Robinson. Okay, then. He wore number 50, so my coach made me wear number 50 because he said he wanted me to play like uh, David Robinson. Okay, then. Yeah. That kind of before my time, but hey, oh, my daddy probably know about him, man. Oh, Lord. I don't really know about David Robinson. I'm not that old. <laughs> 
So you like basketball more than football? Yes, I did, man. I used to love basketball. I kind of, and it's so crazy because I didn't grow up watching sports. You know how people are so fanatic, like they got they they know every person on the team, and they know all the numbers. Like I didn't know none of that. I just knew LeBron James and like the superstars. LeBron James was even out when he was in high school. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. How old is LeBron James? When I remember LeBron James, 38. When I remember watching LeBron James, mind you, now I started basketball when I was around like 10 years old. So my memory of LeBron James was when they were playing the Celtics that year with, with Paul with uh, Paul Pierce Ray Allen when he was in Cleveland. They ended up losing. That's when I remember LeBron James and I became a fan instantly. Oh, so you want them bad Yeah, I'm LeBron. Wherever LeBron go, that's who I'm a fan of. How you feel about LeBron? Hey, I'm not a big LeBron fan. You a hater. That's what they say, but y'all have just been brainwashed. Mr. Taylor, what's not to like about LeBron James? I'm not going to get into that discussion. About I, LeBron I, I, James, exactly. I will tell you exactly. this, though. Something unique, though. I bought my first pair of LeBrons. Okay. Uh, no, I didn't. I got them as a gift a couple, uh, of, a couple of weeks ago. So did you wear them? This, this question, that you question know, is going to... What shoes I have on my feet right now? You got on Jordans. Okay, then. So are you gonna wear the LeBrons? I think about it. Man, come on, man! You can't be that far, and you're not even that old. You probably didn't even watch Michael Jordan like that. Yes, I did. Mister Taylor, how, how old are you, Mister? Forty-one. Forty-one. Okay, you probably caught him. Yeah, I did. His whole career. When he played for the Wizards. <laughs> he I was did trash. watch a little bit when he played for the Wizards. I didn't watch that much for a little bit. Okay. So I did know that. So okay, you played basketball. So when did you get to a point where you started getting like? Football is gonna be my sport. When I got to high school, uh, my head coach, Coach Lee Carter, he came from Carver. Um, Lee Carter. Yeah, man. Shout out to Coach Carter, man. One of the best people, one of the best figures I've had in my life. He was one of the hardest uh, guys I was up under. Well, he coached me really hard, and that helped me. That translated on and off the field. So shout out to him. But yeah, he he came to JD. I didn't play my ninth grade year because I was playing basketball. I was ninth grade on varsity. I was playing my big brother. So I like, man, oh yeah. I'm finna, I'm finna go to the NBA. So when he came 10th grade, he was like, hey, man. Well, it was a guy named Coach Humphreys, Keon Humphreys. Hey, he was a new guy. Yes, he Boy, was at. He played quarterback and he coached at, uh, oh, man, Murphy? Murphy? Yes, yes. That, that Murphy? That's his brother. That's his brother. Oh. Katie. But, but um, oh, yeah, so so Coach Humphreys, he was a PE coach at JD. He saw me in the gym. Jump, like, I was in a 10th grade, like, dunking, like, going crazy he was like look look man you need to get on the football field i will guarantee you you will i will get you in school if you get on the football field so i said okay that sounds like a good idea and um and then going to jd i quickly realized like because growing up i wanted to be a veterinarian okay. yes so, I, I wanted to be that i, I remember you telling me this yes time. so growing up you wanted to be a veterinarian yes I, I loved animals i was the guy that was always outside catching frogs uh playing with cats dogs like i was that guy but uh, once I got to JD, I quickly realized, like, man, they not offering this. Like, I'm really not doing any work. So I was like, football might be my only way out. So you gave up on being a veterinarian because of the school system? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. Um, so he introduced me to Coach Carter. I went out there for the spring practice. I showed him what I could do. I could run. I could jump. He was like, hey, man, listen, this is the key for you. You are not a basketball player. You're 5'10", playing the four. You're not going to the NBA. He just told me flat straight. That's honest. That's pretty honest. Yeah. Right. So uh, I, I trusted in him, and uh, I just took the football route. Okay. 
So what really propelled you of being uh, this great high school athlete that you've been up there? Uh, some of it was God, most of it was God-given talent. And uh, the other half of it was I worked hard. I outworked everybody. Um, I was the guy who was always in the weight room, didn't skip reps, didn't miss a day. I was all in. I was all in in the areas that I needed to be all in. And I feel like I could have went harder if I would have been all in in all the areas of it as far as watching film. I was just basically relying on my God-given abilities, my talent. So if everybody wanted like what's all the noise in the background, we are downtown Montgomery at Bill Street Pizza. Shout out to them. Doing this recording, so for everybody's wondering where we at, we're at Bill Street Pizza downtown Montgomery, Alabama. And Adair says it has a pretty good vibe, so yeah. if you start seeing me like smacking or eating food in the process <laughs> of that, they know that's what we're doing. It'd be like, man, what's all that noise in the background here? So that's where we at. So when did you really begin to realize that you want to be a great football player though? Um my spring, it was the spring of my junior year. And I got my first offer. I was at an Alabama State basketball game and Coach Carter had walked past me, him and the uh, rest of the staff. And he was like, hey man, I got some good news for you. Come holler at me tomorrow. I said, okay. So I went into the office and uh, he was like, man, Troy want to offer you a full scholarship. And once I got that first offer, I had so much confidence. And I was like, man, this is the way, this is the key. This is gonna be my way out right here. So once I got that first offer, man, it just propelled me. Like I, I started to go even harder. So, Troy was your first offer. The first offer. So you were just talking about the Olympics, but going more, you said, how'd that make you feel getting that first offer? Ah. So Troy's right down the road for you. And which I didn't know. Before I got the offer, I've never heard of Troy. Believe it or not. Yeah, I'm so for real. I wasn't the guy who was around the city a lot. I was always, oh no. I feel like I was at home a lot. If I went at home, I was at the gym. If I went at the gym, I was with my daddy doing some type of work. I just was never a guy that was that used to travel. I'm put it like that. So no, I did not know so about Troy. Your first, your first offer was from Troy University. Yes. And before you got that offer, you had no idea that Troy existed. No, I didn't know about Troy. Wow. But that was my first offer, and uh, man, I, I didn't believe it. I really didn't believe it because. Watching my big brother and all of them guys that had so much talent, watching them play ball and not really get offers and not really go nowhere, it kind of had me like, oh, like, is this, can it really happen? Because I've never seen it. So, like, I've seen it on TV, but seeing it close to me, like, I, I never saw it happen. And for it to happen to me, I really couldn't believe it. And it was just, uh, I, I really can't, can't explain the feeling, but it, it, it made me go hard. And I, and I wanted to be the guy, and I wanted to be the one to make my mom and my dad proud. So it gave me some motivation. It gave me a lot of motivation and boosted my confidence a lot. So that first offer really, really put you in a place of motivation and things of that matter. So when you got that first offer from Troy, you was excited, things of that matter. You began to drive. What other offers did you start getting after that? But you went into your senior year. All my offers really came that spring. I'm talking about they was coming. So Troy was your first one. Troy was my first one. And then um, Alabama State. And then Cincinnati. And then Southern Miss. Then, like, the whole Sun Belt. And, and I really couldn't believe it. I really couldn't believe that coaches was coming to look at me and offer me a scholarship to come to their school and play. It just goes to show you, like, the unbelief that I had of, man, this is – I, I can do something with this. Because like I said, football wasn't my route. I was a basketball, I was like, man, I want to do some basketball, but to see it in football, like, I really didn't believe it. 
I didn't believe it. So that's kind of cool, man, that you find yourself in a position of earning something that most people don't get by playing a position that at first you were not passionate about. Or they oh. didn't think that you were going to be doing at all. No, sir. So you begin to get all these offers. You go throughout the spring. You finish that. You go into the season. What are some things that were popping through your head as you went through that season, though? Honestly, um... I knew that I put the work in, but I feel like I wasn't all in off the field because I, I ain't going to lie. I, I started to feel myself off the field. I, I, I was messing around with girls, you know, you know, just like in my in the words of my mom, I'm smelling myself. And I feel like that translated to the field because like, like I wasn't all in in all aspects. I was at a level to where I look better than most of the people I played against. But the game started to catch up to me because I stopped. I, I didn't study film, so I couldn't play as fast. And once you don't play fast, you lose confidence. And once you lose confidence in football, like it's hard to come out of that. So actually, man, um, I had a really bad senior year. Wow. I, I wasn't having fun with it anymore. Like I was, man, the coaches was on me hard. Like I wasn't playing good, dropping passes. I just wasn't living right off the field and it was translating on the field and I got so deep into this hole to where Mr. Tellis, I was honestly dread I was honestly dreading going to practice. I didn't really want to play. I used to go out there and count the hours and practice every day. I had my moments where I make a play, you know, like okay, good for me again. But like most of the time I wasn't having fun with it anymore. And that and that carried through all the way to, through my senior year to my freshman year in college. Wow. Yes, it, it kept, man, I promise that was one of the hardest. I mean, a lot of people don't even know because, like, once you, when, when you're getting offers and, you, and you, people feel like you're doing good, it's like, but but on the inside, I really wasn't happy. I was so, I had lost all confidence, didn't want to play football, but, you know, God still pushed me through that whole senior season. He, he got me through it and he got me to college. And once I got to college, I was there, you know, but still I was feeling the same way. And it took me a minute to realize that, hey, man, like, I can't, I can't just slide. I can't just skate through this. So distractions were a big thing for you? Yes, distractions and just not giving, putting my all in to stuff that'll get, that'll get me better off the field as far as film and eating right, like, and, and doing my schoolwork, like all of that, man. I was about to, I had like a 1.2 grade point average my freshman year. Oh, wow. Like I was gonna be ineligible for, for the bowl game in my sophomore season. It had got that bad. Because I just went used to doing work. And there was another part that kind of caught up with me. I, I skated through that at JD. I, didn't, I really didn't do work at JD. I didn't have to. So if you think about everything you're saying and you think about so many guys here in the city, I consistently, we've had this conversation before, like Montgomery has more talent than anybody when it comes to that. Right. Know, from an athletic standpoint. Right. What are some things that you can share right now that can be encouraging to a boy or even a girl right now who's growing up in Montgomery because a lot of times we can be the best athlete here in the city. Right. You know, we can be like, man, you this, this, everybody's boosting your head up, you getting all these offs and things that matter. So what could you, wisdom could you share with a boy or a girl right now in the city that maybe in middle school and already know they five. Maybe they're in middle school and they good. What what can you share with them to make sure that they don't get distracted and they don't keep the main thing the main thing when it comes to being a really a student athlete? Um, great question, by the way. Because, like you said, you see it a lot in Montgomery, a lot of guys from 
my big brother, before my big brother, like a lot of guys with a lot of talent that came through the city. And you look at him, you're like, man, that guy was so good. Like, why did he, why didn't he make it? So, um, one of the things that I would, one of, some advice I would give to the young kids who's trying to chase their dream, man, be all in. If you're gonna do it, be all in. And by all in, I mean being all in with your craft. If you're playing football, you need to be the first one on the field and the last one off the field. You need to hit the weight room hard. You need to be eating. You need to be sleeping. You need to be watching film. Because like I said, you can be the best athlete. You can have it talent-wise. But once you get to college, all, everybody got talent. So what's going to separate you? Is it your work, work ethic? Is it your skill? I mean, is it your uh, mental fortitude towards the game? Watching film? Lifting weights? Like, what is going to be, what is going to be the difference in you and that guy that's coming in your freshman year? And if you don't have that, that can knock down your confidence because you, you're so used to being a big dog. But if you've never put in this extra work, man, that could, that could you, you could really fall off the map like that. Some, some kids don't make it past their freshman year because they don't know how to study. They don't know how to lift weights. They don't know how to put in the extra work. So if my advice would just be all in, man. And also education, 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 education. And that's just not on the athlete. That's at Montgomery as a whole. You know, I feel like education is a big deal because a lot of times I, I, I feel like I wasn't prepared for high school. I mean, for uh, college when I got there and um, I struggled really bad. And like I said, a lot of people don't make it over that freshman year hump. A lot of people becoming eligible has to go to JUCO. And then once they get to JUCO, it, it's worse than college. So now they end up going back home. So another big thing, education, man. Make sure you're learning what you're supposed to learn and not skating through. Learn how to write papers. Learn how to study. Because I didn't even know how to study or take notes. Well, not, I ain't going to say I didn't know how to do it, but I didn't do it in so long since, like, elementary. So when I got to college, it was a, like, slap in the face. Like, oh, snap. So I actually had to learn how to study. I had to go to the library. Like, I've never been to the library before college. So it's just a little small step that kids need to know now before they get to college. It makes me think about my dad, man. My dad told me this when I was like, maybe... I was gonna say one thing that I learned from my dad that he told me when I was younger. He said, if you work harder than everybody around you, your life will be better than them when you get older. And it, it kind of makes me think, man, of when, when I, when I first got to Troy, I struggled academically too, due to the fact of it is like, I never really was taught either how to wow. be a student athlete. You know, when I was in high school, I was the kind of guy that, you know, essentially, you know, did what he was supposed to do. Never gave anybody right. no problems, you know, I was trying to get up out of the hood, right. I was trying to get up out of there. But, when I got Detroit, man, and you know how they hooked us up, which was so bad, all my kids were like 8 o'clock in the morning. Mm. So, I had workouts at, I think, 5, I had to be up at like 5.30, so I had workouts, then I had to go eat breakfast, then I had to go to class at 8 o'clock. Wow. So you're looking at a kid, I'm like, there's a time I'll never forget, man. I always told my teammates, man, I want to beat their butt up for this. <laughs> I used to have music class on Mondays, no, Tuesdays and Thursdays. No, Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays at 8 o'clock. Man, I used to be so tired, I would fall asleep in class, and they would turn the lights off and leave me in class one time. Because, man, I did not know how to, I did not know how to, to study. I didn't know how to survive at all. So my first semester, I almost nearly failed out. Wow. 
you know, I, I just barely made it. And I think if I wasn't an athlete, they would have probably put me out of school. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, if I wasn't an athlete. So I can kind of relate to the fact that it's like, man, I struggled my first year academically because I was like, man, I got all these classes. I got all these practices, all these workouts. You know, my life was from 5, 30, and 9. What is this? So it was, I can relate to the fact that you struggle with that because I struggle with it also. So when it gets down to it, though, back to your high school, what put you in the mindset of choosing Troy? You had all these offers. You also, you know, was feeling yourself, so you were having the best year that you yeah. thought that you could have had. So now that you begin to think about it, why did you find yourself going to Troy? Um... Honestly, uh, the recruiter, Coach Poe. Okay. Coach Poe, man. Shout out to Coach Poe, man. Great recruiter, great guy, great person, man. Uh, when he came to me and told me, hey, man, we believe in you. We going to give you your first offer. It was kind of hard. I had committed that next year of my senior year. But they was the first one to believe in me. So I believed in them, and I believed in Coach Poe, and I stuck with him. And then it was close to home. Um, my family could come watch me play. I came and checked out the university. It wasn't too big, it wasn't too small. So, so you finally got a chance to see what Troy was at? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Once I got that man, it wasn't too big, it wasn't too small, and it, it was a perfect fit for me. It was, it, it was a perfect fit for me. Okay, so what, what made it such a perfect fit for you, though? Just the people of Troy. Okay. The people of Troy, man, they're so down to earth. I'm a down to earth guy. I don't, I don't really do too much. I don't do too much partying. Um, and it's just the city, man. It, it was a good vibe. The coaches, they took me in. They believed in me. Neil Brown, he believed in me. And I just feel like, man, when, when somebody genuinely believes in you and your ability, it, it's just hard to, to not go that route, especially after talking to other coaches from other schools. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just the vibe was different. So explain vibe. Um, vibe just, the co like, how authentic the coaches were being. And okay. they made you. They made me feel like a priority. They make you feel like they needed me, you know. And I was just wasn't the option. Not saying that. I mean, they told me like straight up, "Hey, man, you got to come in and compete." But okay, I understood that. And they they was real up front with me. So you get to Troy, you're a freshman. You already kind of established the fact that you kind of struggle a little bit uh, academically. How did that freshman year really cause you to grow up a little bit? Man, I'm talking from classes, from, like you said, 8 a.m. classes. I remember, man, getting up, being so sleepy, working out at 5 a.m., having to go to a class at 8 a.m., and you're a freshman, you got to get used to them workouts, the morning sprints. Listen, man, I used to go to class. I used to, first off, I used to walk to class sleeping. I used to get in the <laughs> class and go to sleep. And I used to leave the class still sleeping. Because, you know, now, like, as an adult, once I get up, I'm up. I get up and get to moving, I'm up. But no, throughout the whole time, I would be sleepy, walking back to class, literally sleepwalking, walking back to class. Uh, from the studying aspect, like the teachers not caring that, hey, you're an athlete, like, hey, no, you have to do your work. Like, there's no, just because you're an athlete, you're gonna pass. Like, no, like that hit me in the face. And like football, having to, I was so far behind because I've never watched film. I mean, we used to watch the film after the game from JD, but I never really, I, I ain't gonna never say I didn't watch it. I didn't understand the game of football. You're not a student of the game. I wasn't a student of the game. 
I didn't grow up watching football. Like I wasn't that guy that like that, that knew defenses or had a favorite player in football. Like I didn't have a favorite team. I didn't watch college football. Like it's just something I actually just fell into and just was a raw athlete in it. So once I got to college, man, it was so bad. I didn't know how to read defenses or nothing. I was playing so so slow. Right, and I had a chance to play. That's the part. That's the uh, that's the crazy part. So I had a chance to play. I had an opportunity to to play as a freshman. I was. So I was, what what hindered you from that happening? Didn't know what to do. Didn't know my. Didn't know the plays. Didn't know the plays. And 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 in college, like it ain't no. Okay, guess you're the best player. Uh, you're gonna be out here. Well, in high school, in high school, I really. I mean, we ran the same play for four years, so I eventually got it. Gotcha. I, I never didn't watch film. I never watched film in high, in high school, but I was so af, uh, gifted athletically that I had to be out there. Like I wasn't finna come out the game. But in college, it's, it's, you don't get that many opportunities. You get one shot, and on offense, like if the OC can't trust you, you will not play. You can get so man, you can kind of slide on defense, but on offense in college, you can get so buried underneath that depth chart, you will never see the field. After they done with you, they done with you. That's one thing about college. And that's another, some some more advice I would give a young guy. Make sure you're studying. Make sure, make sure you're doing your stuff. Got the right attitude and you're coachable. Because in college, it's no, hey man, uh, you got five other guys that can run. But if I got if if I got four guys that can run and one guy know to play, guess who's gonna play? That one guy. Yeah. So, yeah. So your freshman year was a struggle. So did you end up getting red shirt your freshman year? Oh, you still got a chance to play a little bit. How did that go for you? I actually still got a chance to play, even through that through oh, that wow. all. Oh wow! I still got a chance to play. So I didn't register. So, 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 the first game you played in. First game. The first game I played in was the first game, and I did good. I got in. I got some garbage minutes, but. As a freshman, you getting garbage minutes at the end of the game. It's time to show what you can do. Yeah. It's kind of like a JV game. So who was the first school y'all played that year? Austin P. Okay. I remember that, 2016. That was Austin P. I got in. I made a really, I raised some really nice catches. I think I had like three catches for like 40 yards. But still, as a freshman, I was like, it kind of got my confidence up, man. I was like, okay. You know, I was a freshman. And, and like, that kind of gave me some momentum going into the next week. But still, I didn't study film, so. So even despite the fact that you struggled, you still played that first game. I still played, and that's how, man, I just know God was with me, man. And I had all the opportunities in the world to do what I could do. But it just took me a minute to get, you know, it took me a minute to get it. Like my coach, my uh, defensive coordinator, uh, Coach Vic, he used to tell me, um, Wesley, you don't know that you don't know. And at the time, I didn't know. I thought I knew. I was making excuses for myself. Faking it to myself, lying it to myself, saying, "Hey, man, like, uh, they they just don't want to put you in, or you, you know what you're doing." I didn't know what I was doing, and I didn't ever own up to that and do anything to get better at it. So I was in the same position I was in. So back to that first game, though, how did it feel, man, playing in your first college game? Cause that had to be a home game, right? Home game, yes. So how did that make you feel, playing in your first college game? You went far from home. You had to have everybody there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So how did that feel playing that first college game? Uh, honestly, Mr. Taylor, I didn't feel nothing, honestly. It's like, I don't know. It's like I was always looking for that feeling. Like, man, when I do this, I wonder how they're going to feel. I'm going to have that feeling. But I never really got that feeling playing sports. Like, I never really had that feeling of fulfillment or, ah, oh, man, this is it, mm -hmm. you know? 
I was always looking for or think I was going to get it after that moment. But after that moment, after I made them couple catches, I went to the sideline, I went home, I posted a picture. I was happy for the likes on my picture, but after, like outside of that, it was like, oh, I really don't feel nothing. So this goes back to that scenario again. On my last podcast, I was talking to uh, Marcus uh, Rogers, who I hope has a great season this year. And I was sharing with him, man, about my athletic career of playing college ball, high school ball, pro ball, things that matter. And I began to realize that I always felt some type of way about playing sports. I really began to tell myself and began to came to realization that I didn't love sports at all. I was playing it wow. as an outlet to get me out of some circumstance that I was in. But when I was really beginning to look back on it, I really didn't love that game like I really thought I did. Thanks. Wow. And it was kind of weird that I I got old and I began to realize that way because there was times when I was in college I felt the way you was feeling. Like I did everything I was supposed to do. We won. Our team won. I achieved something. But I went home like... Really What's next? Idea. Yeah, so that was always a weird thing for me because it, it began to, like I told Marcus, I began to realize, man, I was like, man, I don't think I, I, don't think I love this thing at all. So I just want to bring that up because a lot of times, a lot of us, people don't realize that a lot of us, we play sports because we love it. Some of us play it because we're passionate about it. Some of us play sports because we want to be competitive. But also some of us play sports just to get, about, get us out of the circumstances of what we're facing. I'm a kid that grew up in Smiley Court and Gales Village. So sports was my way to get out of the hood. Right. It was right. for me to, you know, get out of the trap and make sure that I was doing something for myself and that my family long term would be impacted by that. So just interesting that you said that, man. Even after playing the first game. First game. At home. And you still got a chance to get in there. Didn't really deserve to. Didn't deserve to. But you walked away with no feeling of fulfillment at all. No. No. And I used to always look at other guys like, man, I want to have that passion they got. Not really that passion, but I want to feel what they feel. I want to feel what they feel. Because they look really excited. And deep down, I wasn't happy. I was not happy. Even when I was playing my best. Even when I learned all the plays. Even when I had an opportunity to become a starter. Even when I was in the spotlight and, and my time had came to where like it was my time to kind of step up and be that guy on defense. Like it I still it still wasn't fulfilling to me, you know what I'm saying? I was just like, mm. So how did the rest of your freshman year went though? Oh, it it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. It was average. I was on special teams. Uh, I got a couple I got in a couple players when they needed me to get in there and give a guy a breather. Uh, but I embraced that role. I was a guy who never complained. Uh, I just did what the coach told me to do. That's all I could do. I was never a guy that was gonna quit. You know, I didn't care how bad it got. You know, as long as I was on the team, like I, I said, I wasn't gonna quit. I still showed up the price. I still showed up the weights. I went hard, and I just wasn't giving it my all. So, what made your sophomore year? Or what are some things your sophomore year that? Changed everything for you. Um, actually, Mr. Taylor, sophomore year was wasn't good. Either. Sophomore year wasn't good either, man. I, I was still in the same boat. Um, I actually got transferred to defense that spring, but that, I thought that was a setback. But that was a setup. 
to something really great because once I um, transferred the defense, I actually ended up being one of the best players on that defense. So let's go ahead and go over this right quick because I think maybe sometimes fast forwarding that people don't understand that. When you first got Detroit, you were not on the defensive side of the ball. No, I was not. I was a receiver. Wide receiver. receiver. I didn't play wide receiver all my life. So for everybody out there who didn't know that, Adairs did not go to Troy, play at DB. No. On defense. No. He went to Troy as a wide receiver. receiver. So I, the reason I brought that up is because a lot of times if people listen to this podcast, they're going to be like, hold on a minute. The last time we seen you play, or the memories you have you playing, is on the defensive side of the ball. Yes. So going into that spring, when were you told that you were going to have to switch the defense? Or, and then how did that make you feel? And, and tell, tell me how that how all that came to play, how that all this stuff began to happen. It was so crazy, Mr. Taylor, because it actually started to click for me. I actually started studying film on offense. I actually was looking good. Man, I had cut my body weight. I was eating right. I was cut up. I was getting in and out of my routes. Like, they believed in me. Like, they was that guy that they saw in high school that, man, this guy can be really good. I was that guy again on the field. But one day, man, I'm talking about we in spring drills, workout drills in the middle of a drill. And Coach Neil Brown said, hey, man, he, he, he on defense now. He didn't even sit down and tell me. I really, so, this, so this happened during practice. During practice, this man came and told me that I'm no longer a wide receiver. I'm on defense now. Because we have, I guess we had some guys go down. So me and another guy actually got transferred to defense in the middle of practice, literally. And I and I became wow. a safety. So right when I feel like I'm about to um, work my way up in the receiver room, sit back. Boom, you on defense. What? So now I'm on defense. I've never played defense. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just an athlete. So you never played defense out of all your years? I mean, I played I played them from packages. I played at 7-on-7. Seven seven. I was a corner. Like, I was athletic enough to play it. And crazy thing, when we get to it, I'm going to talk about it, but I feel like I should have been playing defense. I, should, I feel like I should have been playing defense. Just because just of how, how athletic and fast and physical I was, I became. I wasn't always that guy, but... When I really got to my peak in football, I feel like I'm like, man, I look back like, dude, I should have been on defense. But so, I was, go ahead. You know, I just want you to go into more detail, man. Uh, I'm just trying to imagine, I want everybody to see you right now. You're in practice, going through drills. I don't even know what the drill was. I don't know if it was a ball getting thrown to you or whatever. Y'all was working on a ride or whatever. But Neil Brown is walk up and say, hey man, you're not on offense no more, you're on defense. So did everybody pause? Did time stop? Like, what what really happened on that time period? Actually, my um, actually my coach, my Rob receiver coach, had got mad a little bit. He was like, "What the world? Like, what you doing?" And I'm like, "What the world? Are they for real?" <laughs> Cause I ain't believe it. Yeah. So I'm like, me being a guy, I'm, I ain't talk back. I just ran straight over to the defensive side and started drill. All right. So now everybody on offense looking at you crazy. That now you've been told to go to defense. Now you go yeah. to defense now, and I and I I have this. I'm trying to get the visual in my head. What kind of jersey did you have on? What kind of jersey? Yeah. What color did you have on? Cardinal. Mm-hmm. I had on a yeah, I had on a Cardinal jersey. Okay, so, so I had on Car- offense. Cardinal I had jersey. Offense, yeah. Now you go over to defense. And I was the only Cardinal over there. So what happened when you went over to defense? How, how did everybody on defense look at you? I mean, they were just looking at me like, 
I was a quiet guy. I didn't really talk to too many people on the team. So, so what did Coach Poe say when you went over there? Then? I mean, I went over there as a safety. Coach Poe was a cornerback coach. All right, so you was with uh, Vic, Coach Vic. Vic. Yeah. So what did Coach Vic say when you went over there? Then? He was like, "Man, listen, man. Um, I mean, I think I think they were talking behind the scenes about like Coach Vic was like, Coach Vic was like, hey man, I take him because they knew I wasn't gonna play on offense. So Coach Vic was like, hey man, I take him. Um, and I was so gifted athletically that he he saw me over there. He saw my. He saw my footwork, and he, he like he actually stopped and told me. He said, "Wesley, look, man, you got the best back pedal in the room. You got the best um, footwork in the room. Like you can really be good on de on, on defense." But I'm thinking in my head like, uh, but once we get into the tackling portion, he see like, oh snap, I couldn't even like I, I wasn't physical. Like I had to gain my confidence, and I was out there trying to arm tackle. Like I didn't know the play, so I was going slow. Like playing defense, you cannot play slow. By all means, because he's going to get mauled. He's going to get embarrassed. He's going to get ran over. Like, it's going to be bad. So, um, and being over with Coach Vic, he was, he old school. So, he was on me every day. He believed in me. He was on me every single day. I didn't know a play. I didn't watch no film. So, I would go out there every day and mess up on the same stuff. And he would cuss me out every day, every time I messed up. So, I, I went into another hole. I was back in the hole. I lost all my confidence. I was like, man, uh, this ain't for me, man. And uh, we actually had a one-on-one -on -one meeting, and he was just like, whistling, man. Because at the end of the spring, he counted up, like, all the players. And I'm, he was like, man, you had this amount of tackles. I had, like, two tackles out of 16 practices. Oh, so, wow. you, so, yeah, not physical at all. So he told me, hey, man, like, if this ain't it, man, you, you could just transfer. I've never heard that. I was so used to being the best. This man literally sat there and told me, look, man, this might not be for you. You can go back to offense or you can transfer one or two. Yes, he so told this, me. Straight so this was like your little exit. Yeah, my exit, man. Yes. So how did that make you feel, man? Hmm. I felt bad. <laughs> I've never been told something so brutal. So um, you got told that what? What's the things begin to pop in your mind then? My family. Uh, what they going What they gonna say when I come back home after being basically cut from from a college team? Oh, wow. Um, just, just a disappointment to my friends and the coaches and everybody who believed in me. Man. Like, it was just a, I felt really low. But, like I said, I thought it was a setback, but it was a setup because it eventually being a, it, it became the best thing that ever happened to me. So, did you ever think about transferring out of that? No, never. You never thought about transferring? No. Alright. I won that guy. Alright. I won that guy. So, you know now that's a norm now. Yeah. That whenever you told Whenever you're told what Coach Vic told you, most guys are going to hop in that portal. Right. So, man, I ain't got no time to be sitting around here waiting. They don't want me here. I'm going to leave. What made you want to stay, though? Because that's very important because you know, just like I know, players get told what Coach Vic told you, they gone. Right. Um, I just never quit anything in my life. And I can imagine going home to my mom and dad and telling them I'm not on the team no more where I wasn't good enough like what like that would have been the biggest disappointment ever to me and to my coaches I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to show my face you know just because of who I am and how I handled myself in high school like I went nah I don't care if I would have sat the bench for five years straight I wasn't going home <laughs> If I went playing, I was gonna have high G. I was gonna do something. I was gonna be the biggest chili on like 
I wasn't going home. So if you didn't have people around you that that didn't have high expectations of you, you probably would have walked away. Yeah, yeah, I think I would have. And uh, I mean, honestly, man, when you never quit nothing in your life, you just don't know. You, you know, I didn't know how to. Like, even if I wanted to, I didn't know how to. Or even, like, go tell a coach, like, I don't want to be here no more. And I think that's just the lack of emotional in intelligence I had growing up. But it actually helped me out because I wasn't super emotional. Like, I just kept it all in. Like, even if I wanted to go, like, I wasn't finna go tell a coach I'm finna go. Like, nah, I'm just gonna keep showing up. That was my thing. I didn't even know it was my thing at the time. But I just kept showing up, kept showing up, mm -hmm. kept working, kept working. So it motivated you to get better? Yeah, definitely. It, it, it motivated me to get better. And man, I don't know, man. One, one day, Mr. Tellers, uh, I just said to myself, man, I'm finna stop making excuses. I'm just finna try this. I'm finna try to watch film. Like, I'm just finna try mm -hmm. and see how it works for me. I'm just finna try to just run full speed, go hard as fast as I can. And I did it one play. I, I'll never forget. I was in Monday Night Football. No, no, no. I was in the blocking drill. And I said, man, I'm finna hem this guy up. I'm finna hem him up. So, boom, I fired the ball. Boom. I hem him up. It's a, it's a vet guy, too. He, he doing all that talking. I was always good in one-on-ones and covering, but I wasn't physical, so he never played me. Coach Vic, he loved physical guys. But mind you, I never played defense, so it took me a minute to get to that state, to that point. So, once I got down with that drill, Coach Vic pulled me to the side. He said, Wesley, if you play like that every play, you'll be an All-American safety. Okay. He, he said it twice. And again, so he, he never told me anything good. He never encouraged me because I was, I was always messing up. So to hear that from him boosted my confidence so high. Up, like after that, I was full speed. Like to the point where I, like, I didn't care if I hurt myself. Like I was going to run like through a wall. It got to that point. And it was up ever since. Once he gave me that confidence, once he told me, Wesley, if you play like that every play, you'll be an All-American safety. And he told me twice. And another coach came to me and said, hey, man, that's what I'm talking about. Like, where that been? I was like, oh, snap. I could do it. And it now, was up for them. Now, I just wanted to share this. Out of there just said that, again, for all you coaches out there who have players that maybe get on your nerves so they seem like they're not getting any better, or it seems like they're not hearing what you're saying. Your words have power. Mm -hmm. And they can greatly put a yeah. player in a position to do well and also a position to not do well. So always be reminded that our words have power. And more than anything, man, that coaches have greatly influence on how we view ourselves mm. and how mm. we see ourselves as athletes. So I just want to throw that out there for all the coaches out there and all the players out there, too, and realize that sometimes your coach may be getting on you or your coach may be seeing like, man, he just won't let up on me and things of that matter. But I always remember Herm Edwards saying this when I was with the Jets. He said, the day that your coach stopped talking to you, mm -hmm. the day that your coach stopped pushing you to get better, there's no your time for the run out here. <laughs> and, and I agree. And I agree because Coach Vic didn't let up on me every single day. If I would mess up on the play, he would tell me, Wesley, that's not right. And it's so crazy because he would get on me so bad that I would just kind of like, I didn't want to talk to him. Like, it was just like, I dreaded going into the film room. So you know so you know who taught me the defense? Coach Pole. Okay. I had to go to Coach Pole, and he broke it down for me. Like, and just another thing for the young guys, like, you might be with a coach 
who his teaching style you just can't learn from him so you might have to go to somebody else and let them teach you in a simpler way and you can learn it that's what i had to do i had to go to coach Bogan. he taught me the defense and, uh, and he dumbed it down so far that i was like oh my god it was this from the jump i'm talking from the formations to everything because coach was, like sometimes a teacher could be so smart that you just can't really learn from him. he know it like he know the ins and outs so he not gonna go down to the basics like he, he don't know how to dumb it down he know what he know he made the defense so it's like you know he gonna teach it in a way but for me coach Poe had dumbed it down so much man i was like wow and once i learned that man like i was it, it was up so you go full speed you get that encouragement seem like a whole new life change for man, you man i'm a whole new guy like everybody <laughs> on the team like dude i don't know what happened to you I instantly, I became a leader. Like I always had leader. I always been a leader anyway. But it actually came out, and I actually began to lead guys that was older than me. And they was like, "Oh, like where this come from?" But I was playing good too, cause you can't lead and not be a good player. Mm-hmm. That that really don't. That really don't, ain't nobody really gonna respect that. Mm-hmm. But once I started playing, making plays, I, it was like, "Oh, I was on my way. I was on my way, man." So move us forward. What happens after that? Uh, so, so toward the end of the season, uh, they put me in developmental. So basically, that's I'm working out. It's kind of like a red shirt deal. Where I was working out with the red shirt guys during the season, so I'm listening heavy. But I'm getting bigger, faster, stronger toward the end of the season. I start playing. I go tell my coach one. I go tell the linebacker coach. I'm like, hey man, and this old crazy Mr. Taylor. I was just playing when I told him that. I said, man, put me on kickoff. He like, you ain't for real. I said, man, I'm for real. Put me on kickoff. So he put me on kickoff. I run down there on kickout. Boom. Make, I'm making plays on kickout. So it started off on kickout, special team. And also, I was, uh, it's a thing called Monday Night Football, where like all the guys get, it's like a scrimmage during the week of all the guys who are really not playing. And a lot of guys didn't really take it serious because they're like, man, I don't want to play Monday Night Football. Man, I feel like I should be playing on Saturday. For me, that's where I built up my confidence at. That's when I was running downhill, knocking, knocking them little boys out. <laughs> I was like, oh, I got my, like, that's how I got my confidence up. I was like, oh, snap. And so, COVID was like, all right, you ain't going to play Monday Night Football no more. So I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, really? I made it, yeah. Because he felt like, he felt like I was, I was, I was getting it, in which I was. So I moved up from that. So I started playing on special team. I started making plays on special team. Then I started finally getting reps on defense. I would get reps in, like, games that we were going to, like, little blowout games. But they were great reps. I, I was playing, like, from the third quarter all the way to the end of the game, like, on top of kickoff. So I'm making plays, I'm making plays doing a little, as people say, garbage minutes. I'm taking advantage of that opportunity. And by the end of the season, I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing in the championship game. Like I'm getting reps. Oh, wow. I'm getting reps in the championship game. I go from not playing on offense to getting moved from defense, never played defense, to now I'm getting reps in the championship game. Then we go to the bowl game, I catch my first interception. Like, I feel like, oh my God, I made it. Like, you got your first interception. I'm gonna interrupt you. How'd that make you feel? Explain it. Go ahead and go over the play for me, man. Uh, so, man, we've been working on the play all week. It was a spin post. If, 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 we, Coach Vic always said, if it's a dig, it's a post. So you let the dig go and you roll the post. So, boom. I caught, It's so crazy. I caught an interception during the week in scout team. They ran the same play. So I caught a pick in practice. So, boom. Come to the game, they run that same play. Oh, for real? I see it coming. I motion car the field. I see the dude running deep. Another guy running the post. I come right up on uh, interception. 
man, I was so heavy. Like, I don't even remember making no moves. I just remember I was running, like, straight. I was just running. Uh, my family that was in New Orleans and New Orleans Bowl. Like, I was like, oh, it's not. <laughs> That's big, man. For yeah. All that happened in such a quick time. It was though. quick. It was a light switch, man. I'm telling you, it was, it was like a light switch. And it, I, I feel like it all came from me actually, like, okay, I changed my attitude. I told myself, man, I'm not going to let nobody affect how I feel. Like, I only control that. Like, I'm not finna let Cole Vic, I, it don't matter what he say, I'm not going to let him affect how I feel. Because he used to tell me stuff, man, well, my whole practice was over, my whole day was over. I was dreading coming in there. But it got to a point to where it, it, it didn't matter what he was telling me. Like, I was still ready. Let's go. Like, next play. So I changed my attitude. I changed my habits. And I was making plays. Like, it, it was, man, I was playing hot. Like, everybody was like, oh, he, he up He up next. So y'all win that bowl game, right? Mm-hmm. So y'all win that bowl game. So you, you, there you go again. You accomplish something that most people never get a chance to do. And then you go into that next spring. How did that go for you? What are some things that happened to you that spring? So um, right after the bowl game, some of the guys stayed in New Orleans to kind of party in the city. But I was scheduled to get baptized the next day in Montgomery. So me and my mama drove back, and I had got baptized the next day. And it's so crazy because doing that. Uh, Why? Why did you get baptized? For? Because I, I, it was actually my second time I had got baptized when I was younger. Then this time I was like, man, I need, I want, I need God in my life. Cause I had, I had, I had got that, I, I had got that confidence again. Like, man, I'm gonna go to the NFL. Like, and I was just saying it. I, I was like, man, I need God in my life. I, need, I want to get baptized again. Mm-hmm. Not really, uh, really understanding the real meaning behind it. I just like, man, I need to get baptized. So I got baptized. So after that, I'm thinking like, oh, it's up now. I, I'm finna start on defense. I done got baptized. God in my life now. Oh, it ain't nothing stopping me. But come to find out that uh, baptism and me um, being introduced to Christ really flipped my life upside down. But that's a that's another story. But so uh, boom, going into the spring. Why that gotta be another story? I mean, we could talk about it, but it's a whole. You know, we could we could talk about it, but I'm talking about the spring though. Uh-huh. Uh, so boom, I come back during the spring. I'm competing. I got in my mind, like, dude, I'm supposed to be starting. Like, I'm starting. But Coach Vic put it to where me, well, Melvin was going to, he was going to be the uh, free safety. And Coach Vic put it to where me and this other guy was competing for the starting spot. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was like, okay. So during the spring, I'm, I'm like a missile. I'm talking about I'm a missile. I'm coming down here knocking people out. Like, it was it was a, that was a great spring for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just kept building that confidence. Then I, I pledged that spring, so I really felt like I can run through a brick wall. Nah, I'm knocking people out. So, so you pledged. Um, and what do you mean by pledge? For people don't know what that means. I pledged to make myself a return and incorporate one of the, the greatest fraternity around. So yeah, I pledged. So I felt like man, man. At first I didn't pledge. I just choked on my piece for everybody out <laughs> there listen to me. But, uh, Shout out to the brothers. I, 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 uh, yeah, man. So I pledged. I got baptized. I got. I to start on defense. So I'm like, life is just great. Like, you know, I'm on this high. So let's back it up right quick. Why? <clears throat> I quit my throat there about that. Listen to me, because y'all know how I be feeling about stuff. <clears throat> so out of all the fraternities, especially the fine ones, anyway, <laughs> what made you choose? 
honestly, um, I didn't even do it for myself. Like most of the reason was it for me. It was for people back in the city, and uh, a lot of my coaches was uh, accused. Like all my coaches at JD, most of them accused. So great guys, Coach Adams, seeing him uh, and how he carried himself and how much of an influence he was on me. Uh, Merle's, Merle Gilbert, his brother, like seeing all them guys in the purple and gold, that just really turned me up. And then they were like, man, hey, you want to do this? And then me and, me and one of my teammates, well, a couple of my teammates, we used to do it back in JD. We used to act like we the bro. We used to do little hops, you feel me? And uh, we was like, man, we're going to do that. But people used to tell her, like, Cole Evans used to tell her, man, like, this ain't what you want to do. Like, it's hard. Like, so me, I'm like, man, I'm down for a challenge. So I was like, man, I'm going to do it when I get to school. But it wasn't really, like, some on my mind my freshman and sophomore year. You know what I'm saying? Like, when the time came around, I was like, man, I'm going to do this. Yeah, so uh, I, I was like, man, I want to do something to kind of be a light to the return. I feel like I can bring, bring great value to the fraternity and I can be an example for my brothers and sisters back at the crib, like people, like young boys around the city. You know what I'm saying? So like, it was a, it was really bigger than me, like why I joined Omega Tough Out Fraternity. I was just asking. Oh yeah. Just asking. So you're doing all these things, man. It's like you really yeah. in a good place. Great place. So begin to go into more detail about me for that spring. So yeah, uh, I got through the spring. Nine times out of ten, I was gonna start. It was gonna be me and me and Melvin, two of the Gump guys, okay. on the back end. Uh, shout out to little Melvin too. Shout out to Melvin. Little Melvin. That my guy. Shout out to Melvin. Man. Solid, solid dude right there. Um, First of all, for everybody who just probably just. Skipping or going through this podcast, we start from the beginning to the end. That's what I suggest you do. But if you like, man, what's all this noise in the background, man? We are downtown Montgomery at Bill Street Pizza. Uh, so if you hear like noise or you hear food and all that good stuff, we are eating and doing this podcast at the same time, which is pretty cool. So if you're wondering like what's all going on around us, that's what we're doing right now. So yeah. Um, so at the end of the spring, man. I'm, I'm getting these headaches. Like, toward the end of the spring, I started getting headaches. I don't know what. Like, normal headaches or, like, off, would, off the wall crazy? Off the wall, they would be, like, migraines, and they would be all day. Hmm. And I was with my, um, I was with a girl at the time. And I and I told her one day, I was like, hey, like, I don't feel good. Like, my head hurt. She was like, man, you need to go get that checked out. So I was like, all right. So the last day of the spring, I get done playing the spring game. I just played a good game. I'm knocking I had like three big hits that day. So uh, I go tell Coach Vic, I'm like, hey coach, uh, man, I'm having headaches. My head don't feel right. I think I need to go to the training room. But he tell me, he like, man, listen, don't do that, cause you're gonna end up in the training room forever. So I'm like, huh? I ain't understand at the time. So I'm like, nah, like, hang on, I'm just gonna go get checked out. So I end up going to the training room, they say you got a concussion. So I was playing. I, I had played through the whole spring with a concussion. Didn't even know it. So you played the whole spring with a concussion? Whole spring, I think, with a concussion. Didn't even know. Wow. Didn't know. Um, and and that ended up being very uh, harmful because I kept having headaches, like the after effects of it, because I didn't properly heal. So I kept having headaches every single day. And once he told me I go be in the training room forever, I was in the training room forever. I I never returned back to that field. So my first interception was my last interception. Oh wow! 
My first interception was my, was my last interception. My biggest moment was in football was my last moment in football. And all, you see, at the beginning of the at the beginning of the podcast, you said, "Man, all this happened so quick, and it ended just as fast." Oh, wow. And I didn't know it at the time, but after I went to that training room, I never returned back to the field. They never couldn't. Uh, I was going through a whole bunch of tests up and down the road to Birmingham. Migraines getting worse. And they don't know what's going on. It ain't like it ain't like your knee to where you can go and do an MRI on your knee, and they can tell you, "Hey, man, you got a sprain or you, you you tore something." Like, no, it's my head. Uh, so. I just came to the conclusion, man. I, and then Coach Brown sat me down. He was really disappointed with me because he was like, man, look, man. Something like that happened. You need to tell somebody. Because he knew. Because he knew. Like, I probably wasn't going to come back. Wow. He knew that was going to be a long road. He was so mad. He was so angry. Like, he had called me to the office and he had told me he never. Coach Brown rarely got angry at me. Rarely. Like, he never really got mad at me. Never. But that day, he was so angry. Because he said, uh. Man, he just wish I would have said something. But I, I really ain't know. You know, like I really, I'm playing. Like, I'm like, man, it ain't nothing. And also in the football culture, too, which has changed, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot since if your time period experience in that, you know, because how we were taught when it came to football was if you have an injury, you have a concussion, or you even have anything wrong, you press your way through it. Mm-hmm. Fight your way through it. You know, don't. Don't get caught up in the injury, you know, be more mentally stronger than you are physical. You know, we just have always been taught that. So I kind of can understand the, the process of what you were dealing with during that time period because right. we mean just like we both understand that training room means that you're not gonna play. Mm-hmm. That training room can also mean that somebody else is gonna get in a position that you've been fighting your whole time to get. Right. So it's understandable for you to feel the way you feel. And it's also kind of weird that Coach Brown got mad with you because the football culture does not tell us to speak up when we have injuries. I'll never forget, I got a concussion. And I was in seventh or eighth grade. Wow. All I know is me and this guy hit each other head on and the time stopped. I got up, I was a little dizzy. And I was told, hey man, get up man, you, you're gonna be alright, blah blah blah. I go home to Smiley Court. All I know is any kind of sound, any kind of noise, any kind of light was like somebody literally was sticking a knife in my head. Oh, wow. So it was horrible. So all I do was to lay in the bed and not move. What the mindset is, I'm going to get better tomorrow. In which a day or two I did get a little better and went about. But again, that was my first concussion and nobody never probably knew it or whatever. Now by me being educated, I understood I had a concussion. Right. And that that really could have impacted me worse than that or anything. I probably shoot probably could have went home and never woke up. For real though. You know, due to the fact that what I was dealing with, you know, from a physical standpoint. Right. So Coach Ryan is upset with you. How did that make you feel, though, knowing that you was having these these issues, though? Because you're in a point now where you're at a high. Yeah, yeah. You're at a high I'm point. I'm at a now. high. You're at a high point now. I'm at a high. So how does that make all you feel that now you're in this position where it seems like nobody can help you, nobody knows what's going on, and what what where you find yourself, where you see yourself going, how's this making you all think about everything? 
um, that was a very tough time. That was like one of the toughest times in my life. But it's it's amazing how God works all things together for the good. Um, like I like I said, I got baptized, and I actually met this guy on campus. He was actually on a team. And he was a part of this group called uh, Campus Outreach. And Campus Outreach was a group who, they were uh, Christians, disciples, who would go around teaching people about the gospel. So up until my time getting baptized, I had, I had, I was mean with this guy. And he was telling me about, uh, he was just asking me basic questions like, hey man, like, what's your view? Like, what, what do you believe? Like, why you feel like you're going to go to heaven? And I was like, man, as long as I pray, as long as I uh, say the Lord's Prayer, like, every day, like, I feel like I'm going to go to heaven. But he was like, uh, what if... You, you like say you, you drive your car out on the main highway, an 18 wheeler come and hit you, and you haven't said the Lord's prayer before you went to bed. And I was like, wow, um, I guess I'm gonna go to hell because I didn't say the Lord's prayer before I went. Makes sense. So that was my whole view on Christ, but he 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 had changed my view and told me about Christ and how. The wages, he had explained a verse to me. He told me, the, uh, it was a verse, it's in Romans. I don't remember the uh, numbers, but the verse basically is, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ. And when he broke that down to me and explained to me what I deserved and what God did for me on the cross and the price that he paid to do it for me and what did I do to deserve that, I mean, what did I do to earn it? It was free. It's kind of like he said, like, think about somebody giving you a gift on Christmas. And, you know, well, uh, no, he put it this way. He said, think about you. I, I, I murdered somebody and I go in the courtroom. Jesus came. Jesus came in the courtroom and he erased all my sins. He took all my sins and he went on the cross. And I started to think. I was like, man, that's, some, that's a different kind of love. Like, that really changed my heart. Like, that was one of the times that changed my heart. And, and that kind of led me to get baptized. And I felt like God, I, and then once, like I said earlier in the podcast about how I was going to go up. Like, God about to turn my life up. But he actually turned it upside down starting with football. Wow. He, he turned it upside down starting with football. And basically it was like, okay, son, follow me. It's time to follow me now. And during that whole period. Then nobody knew how I felt. My mama didn't know how I felt. My dad didn't know how I felt. My coaches, ain't nobody really knew how I felt. You know, because it's a head injury. So the only person, man, I, I remember just going to my room, like just sitting there in the dark, like praying and reading my Bible. And during that, like the most toughest time of my life, like I got the closest to God through that moment. And, uh, and me doing that, I followed him all the way to the point where it led me to me giving up football. I got to the point like, all right, God, Wherever you want me, I'm going to follow you. Whatever you're doing in my life, I trust you. Like, I'm going to follow you. I trust you right now. So, so if, even though going through all that process of all that, though, you didn't ever have any hopes of things getting better that you could blame you? Man, this is the crazy thing about it, Mr. Tellers. No. I knew, I knew that interception was my last play. Explain that, I knew that was my last play. Because when I got the concussion, I knew it was going to be my last time playing. Cause when I got a concussion, I just knew I wasn't coming back. You know what I'm saying? And it was, it, and I and I was praying. I was praying. God, and I ain't gonna say God told me, but I let it go. I let it go. Again, I've been playing like 
since I was 10, I let it go. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. Because, and, and another big part of that was I had, I was looking at my health. I really wasn't feeling good. So I was like, man, this is my head. Like, I can't, I'm a safety. I can't, I can't go out here and um, put myself at risk like that, health-wise. It wasn't worth it. So that was another, that was half, other half of it. But I was just like, man, God, I'm going to trust you. Well, I don't know where you're taking me, but I, I trust you right now. So you quit playing football because of God and because of your health? Yes. Yes, I let it go. Let it go. At the peak of my career. I'm talking about the peak. I'm talking about I got a chance to go. Like I'm like, man, I really got to, I believe I can go. So how did the people around you respond to you that respond to that though? Because you're in a place that they don't understand and comprehend. Because first of all, you're not even sharing most of what you're going on with mm -hmm. other people. So that being said, how did people begin to relate to you or, or even respond when you begin to say, you know, I don't want to play football anymore? Like, how did your coaches respond? How did your parents respond? How did your peers respond? Um, as far as the coaches, I mean, some of the coaches I, I didn't really have a relationship with like that for real. It's like when you when you when you when you playing good in college, like all the coaches love you, even the ones that don't even talk to you. <laughs> but if you're not really a good player, like they don't really care too much for you. Like if they're your position coach. So like once I started playing good, like man, I had coaches who never said a word to me. Like I was like, hey man, like like where that come from? And you know they started believing me. They started talking to me because I was one of the playmakers. Then. Mm -hmm. But um, I felt like some of them was like, uh, I don't matter. Like on to the next. But I was such a good guy and a, a great leader, leader on the team. Uh, I was all in, on and off the field, community service. Like I felt like I was a big leader during that time span of where I was at my highest. And I'm talking about work out in drills. Like I'm competing. Like I'm, I'm, I'm talking my talk. I'm, I'm trying to beat you every drill. And I'm gonna talk about it. I'm gonna be loud. Like it was really a high moment for me. So through them, through them months of them seeing that, they respected that so much that they was like, man, like bro, we respect that, bro. And through that, I feel like I was able to glorify Christ even more in that. And they saw that too. And I feel like through that. I ain't gonna say I sparked the change, but I feel like a lot of guys were paying attention to it. Like they were, they were actually like, "Oh snap, this guy doing something that's bigger than football." You know, more of a spirit, more in the spirit wise that can change. And I, and I really felt like I had sparked like a little wave during that time. But I felt like a like like I said, like a lot of guys like really like felt for me. Like they really were concerned about my health. I feel like Neil Brown was concerned about my health, but I mean, in college football, like they concerned about winning. They got to focus on winning in the team, but I honestly feel like they were concerned. So how did your, how did your parents respond? How did your brother respond? How did your family respond? I mean, what a concussion, man. It's like nobody really understands how you feel, and you can't expect them to. I didn't expect nobody to understand how I felt. So they were just like, man, like whatever you do, like I'm proud of you. Just get your education. Uh, just get your education. But a lot of people, man, they didn't they didn't really understand what was going on because, like I said, it's it, it, them concussions so tricky and it's in your it's in your head, so it like ain't like now they can physically see. So. So you you give them football. Yeah. Do to God, do to your health. So where do you find yourself after that? 
So now I'm like, man, so I stuck around the football team. Um, I was like, man, I'm going to be a leader. I'm, I'm going to go into coaching. So I went into a uh, weight room. I was in the weight room. <laughs> and I was helping the guys out. I was a part of the staff in the weight room. And, uh, and I also, man, I took that time to go venture out in something else. Because I was really, I, I used to watch motivational speeches a lot. So I was into that a lot. And uh, I got into my major. I started, like, I really dived into my major work. I uh, got my undergrad in uh, counseling, I mean psychology. And I was really into the classes. So I said, man, I'm going to take this time out to actually study and see what God wants me to do. Because okay. I wanted to do public speaking. So I kind of used that time. I had like two and a half years left. And that's a lot of time for an athlete. Because once you're playing football, you don't have time for nothing else than five years. All you're doing is playing football. So I was a regular student for the first time ever. So I said, God, man, like use me. So I end up, and this was a hard decision as well. I ended up leaving the weight room. Because at first I was going, I had got a new job on campus with a group called Trojan Outreach. And basically what we did is gave me, it gave me the opportunity to do public speaking. And we spoke about mental health, sexual awareness, uh, domestic abuse, drugs and alcohol. It was a peer, peer-led group. And we went around the campus doing that, hosting different events. So I was doing that in the weight room, but God said, no, 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 come on. I need you to come with me. You can't be halfway in and halfway out. So I had went up, this was a hard time for me, man. I went up to the uh, weight room guy and I told him, hey man, uh, this is gonna be my last day. I wanna go into what I really wanna do. I wanna go all in with it. So I left football completely. Oh, wow. Yeah, I left it completely. I wasn't around anymore. And I started to dive into, you know, my, my purpose, basically. That was my purpose. So I started that. I did. I was doing really great at it. I was putting myself in uncomfortable situations. But I feel like during that time, like, I, um, I influenced a lot of people, even guys on the team, seeing me go from football to a whole different avenue. Because a lot of times, people feel like football is all they got because they've been playing it so long. True. And once they get done, they feel like they're a failure. So once I left that, I really was defying the odds. I basically dived into a whole different aspect and took it head on and embraced it. And it turned out really well. Like my back years of college were some of the greatest moments ever. Like they were some, they were, I had moments greater than football, greater than my first interception. Yeah, like outside of the game of football. So outside of the game of football, it ended up being more exciting to you than football was. Yes, yes. And it was so crazy because I was like, man, yes, I was like, I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you, though. So every day I I, I was put, I didn't I I didn't know what was coming. I was putting myself in an uncomfortable situation. I didn't know who I was going to speak to. I was speaking to different people. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, oh, yeah. But it turned out being so well because the feedback that we got from it, that that organization that year ended up being like we ended up winning this national award for best organization of the year. Like we got recognized nationally that year in that in that uh, at that job, and that job has never did that. We did so well that year. Wow. Yes. So you finally graduated from Troy. Congratulations on that. Appreciate it. What do you find yourself doing after college? So after college, I went. I came back. I had stayed for grad. Well, I had came back home, and um, I started working. But I always knew I wasn't done in Troy. So I had went to Globes for a minute and started making some money. I got a call one day, man. It get crazy how God works. He was like, "Hey, man, you wanna um, you wanna come to grad school?" I'm like, "Yeah, you wanna?" He like he asked me that I want a grad assistant spot. I'm like, "Yeah, of course. Like, I've been waiting on this." So I end up getting a grad assistant spot in uh, academics with athletics. Okay. So I end up going back to Troy. I end up uh, getting into that, but my main goal was to get my master's and go into sports counseling. 
I wanted to counsel athletes who felt like football was all they had. You know, I wanted to be that guy that they can talk to as far as sports off the field. I, di I didn't want to be on the field. I didn't want to be a coach. I wanted to be that guy that they can talk to off the field to kind of motivate them and tell them, like, hey, kind of open their mind up to different avenues and, and just kind of get them thinking outside of the game because one day the game is going to be over. And I know a lot of people from the city and guys I go, went to school with that they felt like football was literally all they had. And that's not true. They are way, they are, you are way more than a football player. You're way more than a softball player, basketball player. You're way more than an athlete, period. You're more. So, yeah, that was my main goal. That was my dream. So how long did you do the grad from the academic standpoint? So I did that for like a year and a half. Then I ended up uh, having my son. Me and my girl had my son. So at that point, I was like, hey, man, I got to get a job. Because it's like graduate assistants, they pay for your school, but they, you, I'm not getting money. So I, at that point, I had to start providing financially for my little dude and my girl. Like I had to go home. So I left grad school. I left completely. Like, hey, I'm not gonna be able to do this anymore. I got a little boy in the way. Like I got a good job. Basically, that was the bottom line. Mm -hmm. So I ended up coming back home, um, working at Publix for a minute until I like really figured out what I want to do. I was asking around. Different uh, opportunities came around, and um, I went with the fire department. Okay. I went with the fire department. Why? Why did I go with the fire why, department? Why, why do you want to run into a burning building? Why but, do you want to? <laughs> save people as they say honestly uh, I love people I love serving people so that was another way that was a way that I could serve my city and uh, just the job itself it's a challenge it's one of the hardest jobs around you with a group of guys it's kind of like a fraternity you with a group of guys who try everybody want to get better you got the guys who feel like they're the best and I'm a competitor so okay I want to see if you're the best like I want to work every day so and then the schedule we work 24 we offer two days and I had in my mind that I'm going to still get my degree. So while I was working in the fire department, I was able to do my classes on my off days. So that was another reason why I picked the fire department. And, uh, yeah, it just uh, it, it kind of reminded me of football, just with the camaraderie and the challenge of it. So I'm going to sit up and ask you this because I remember you saying this. And you know me, I got pretty good memories. You said becoming a firefighter was harder than pledging or maybe. Hands down, yes. <laughs> yes, you can ask anybody. You can ask the guys. I mean, somebody, everybody got their own opinion. But, man, first off, it wasn't even the physical. It was the mental part of going through EMT school. It's like nursing school. And there's no way around it. You can't skate it. You can't cheat. You can't skip. Like, you have to study. It's like learning a new language. You got all these terms, you got all these big terms, you got all these, it's, it's life or death. You, your, your life, well, their life is, are, is in your hands. You have to know what to do. And so for, for three months, you're EMT studying, you're in your book. And the test, you have to uh, pass the National Registry test, Registry test. And the test is adaptive. So it based off how much you know. So if, you, if you're weak in the area, it's gonna expose you. So if you don't know much about the heart, it's gonna keep giving you questions about the heart. And, and if you know airway, it's, you, you might ask the two airway courses right and you won't have no more airways. So they know you got that. But they finna get you in OB, like babies. Like we finna see what you know for in trauma. And if you get too many courses and that's what's wrong, you fail. And you got six tries. And if you don't get it in them six tries, you go home. Oh, wow. They let you go. <laughs> Bye. So it, I, I just want you to think about six tries. Now that's a lot. Mm -hmm. But just imagine though, like some people don't pass it. In six tries. 
So as far it, it, it was harder than, than pleasure, for sure. So when you think about life of theirs, you haven't really been on earth that long. I haven't. And you look at it from the day you was born to where you are now. Just give me a glimpse of what do you think moving forward you see yourself doing? Ah, uh, what I see myself doing? Um, I don't know exactly what I'll be doing, but I know that it would be, it would involve me serving someone else. I don't know exactly the job because I didn't think I would be a firefighter, you know, and I ended up there. So me trying to think like, I, I, I don't even try to think that far ahead to like what I, like what I see myself doing. I don't know, honestly, but I know it would be serving someone else. And what I hope for it to be is a um, sports counselor. Okay, so sports council. Yes, sir. The reason I ask that question is because you know how I know how our lives are kind of, I always say kind of weird. Not weird, but they're just unique. That most people can't really put themselves in our shoes and the path of how our life has been. And when you have an interesting life like yours is, it makes me begin to think of how many people really need to hear your voice. How many people really can be impacted by your life, even at this short amount of time you've been on this earth? Wow. So that's why I want you to just begin to think about that from that standpoint of what do you see yourself doing long term? Because, man, your life has been very interesting. And it can touch Appreciate so it. many people in so many ways in different phases of life. Uh, like a 60-year-old can relate to you. And also a 12-year-old can relate to you. So you got to be mindful of that, of understanding, like, life, I'll just sum it up by this. Our lives are always preparing us for our futures. Wow. Our present scenarios are always preparing us for the future. Now, when we're in those present scenarios, they don't make any sense at all. It makes no realization, no common sense at all of, of what we even see ourselves doing now. But I just want to encourage you on that path of understanding that, man, your life has purpose. And it's very unique to see what happens a month, a year, a year from now of how much impact you can have on people's lives just because of the experiences that you've had in life. So I just want to encourage you on that, man, of understanding that life is a very interesting thing. But it's very hard for some of us to understand that even though life is getting hard, even though there are some challenges in life, that God still has a plan in all of that stuff. Amen. And that's always going to encourage people to understand, man, that no matter how things may be looking at that time period, that God has a plan. Because like, I always tell people about my life, I had my own plans. All I want to do is play football, retire, and fish every day. And you ask me, <laughs> how many times I don't fish this year? Not one time yet wow. this year. But wow. those were, you know, things that I wanted to do. So I just want to encourage everybody out there who has listened to the podcast today that, man, God has a plan for all of our lives. Amen. You know, it's kind of unique and kind of weird how things kind of work out and plan out. And even when we're not even doing everything we're supposed to do, that's one thing I want to share, too. It ain't about trying to be the most perfect person or trying to <coughs> do everything the right way. It's about just letting life happen to you and then the process of understanding that God is with you while life is happening also. And it kind of makes things a lot more easy for you, but also you understand that he has a plan for your life. So it puts you in a situation of understanding that, man, it's all going to work out for my good. 
Amen. So, anything else you want to share everybody for me here, man? Uh, thank you, man. Thank you. Oh, no big deal, man. Thank I, you I, for I, being. I, thank you for being in my life, even when I don't even embrace it all the time. Even when on the times where I feel like I don't want to talk or I don't want to do this, like thank you for really like being intentional with being in my life, not only my life but everybody's life and all the people you touch and not really wanting to take not really not doing it for the fame or for the money like like actually in the trenches as i say like actually out there having these guys that need it and like you said like it takes a lot to deny yourself and, and, and do what god wants you to do every single day so i just want to shout out shout shout you out and tell you i, I appreciate you man my pleasure man you had to shout me out yeah, I had to, man. Come on, man. I appreciate it. Even though you went to Lenio. Yeah, it's, it's okay, yeah, but... I don't know. It's a shame. Ah, man. I'm glad they need to burn that thing down. Well, I went to Sydney Lanier High School. Boo. And you are... Your children are going to say, Dad, did you go to Jack? <laughs> did you go to Jack High School? That's so whack, bro. That's so, so whack. I'd rather say I went to Lanier than say I went to Jack. What's so, up? So, I'm always going to be a poet, no matter what. Rep your school, man. I'm going to rep my school. I don't trust you, but appreciate you being on the podcast, man. For sure, I for sure. I appreciate you uh, coming to 4116 West Smiley and sharing your life story and sharing, you know, the great things don't happen and also the bad things don't happen, but also realize that God has a plan in everything. Hey, man, man. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you, man. All right.